You are listening to Community Voices on NPR Illinois. I'm Vanessa Ferguson, and today we are getting to know our neighbor, Awisi Bustos. She's the chief executive officer and executive director at the Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. Thank you, Awisi, for being here. Thank you, Vanessa and NPR, for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you. You have a very diverse background, probably the most diverse background that we've had here in the studio with us in a while. And I'm excited to learn more about the Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. But first, we want to know about you. So the first question we always ask people is, how long have you lived in central Illinois? And you have not always lived here. So can you tell us a little bit about where you've lived? Absolutely. So I have lived in central Illinois for a total of about seven Seven to eight years. I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa, and so I have lived in Belgium, Cuba, New York, Ethiopia as well for a little bit. My father was a Korea diplomat. He is retired now, and so part of being a diplomat is with his assignments, he was always posted in different countries, and that's how I ended up kind of globetrotting, if you will. You know, that's such a unique experience that a lot of people haven't had. Can you kind of give us an idea of what that was like as a kid. I mean, people move from house to house. Sometimes here in the U.S., they move from state to state. But you moved from country to country to country, (laughs) and that's a little bit different. So what was that experience like for you? As a kid, it wasn't always fun. You know, as adults, you look back and you reflect and you see the bigger picture. I remember feeling a sense of not always belonging, but at the same time, it built a level of resilience in terms of being able to adapt being able to find family and build strong relationships wherever. There was always a language barrier. I didn't always speak the languages, so I found myself mostly just being quiet for months in class and observing and kind of building those relationships organically that way. I kind of like to attribute it to what it would be like to kind of be a baby in, in terms of being an eighth grader, for instance, and then you are in class where you're learning eighth grade level materials, but you don't really understand absolutely anything that you're being taught. And then when you go home, you have your tutor and you're learning your ABCs. So yeah. So in hindsight, it was always an exciting, often challenging experience, but I think it just builds more character and it just enables you to see human beings at the very core of of who they are and for what they are. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I should probably add to if, if people are listening and thinking, wow, moving to countries and not knowing the language, you do speak five languages. <laughs> so, you know, when you move to so many countries, you can't possibly learn a lot, but you managed to learn five. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm, I made it. <laughs> well, I love that so much. And we're going to talk now a little bit ab- about your career. I've read some of the things you've worked on. It sounds like you have an interest in policy and human rights. And can you just kind of tell us a a little bit about the things you've done thus far in your career and and why you wanted to do that. Sure. You know, it all, for me, foundationally, it all stemmed from my father, right, from my upbringing, my parents. And so with him and his career and with us growing up, he was a civil servant, worked in the Ghana Foreign Services. We lived in all these different countries as a result of his work and his career path. 
And that kind of opened the door for what it was like, you know, working on human rights issues when he was at the UN in New York or when we were in Cuba or dealing with law and international affairs, policy, politics. And so I always had access to a lot of his work. I had access to a lot of his thoughts because he was so free in sharing and discussing even at an at an early age. I remember in kindergarten being completely and totally aware of, you know, some of the issues around like colonization and, and Africa. And there was never a topic that was too advanced for me or my my siblings. He would always be open about, you know, obviously explaining things in materials that were age appropriate, but still the content and the truth of what we were being taught was exactly what it was. And so that's how I always saw myself, you know, going to law school, working on human rights, being just like dad. And here we are. I just, you know, followed the path, especially when we came to the U.S., had an opportunity to do a fellowship in Governor Quinn's administration. So that was my introduction to human services, social services, state and government work. Did that for about a year and then got picked up by an agency called Illinois Guardianship and Advocacy Commission. So we were working on human rights and disability rights for adults with disabilities throughout the state of Illinois. And so after about almost four years, went on to work for Senator Durbin, where I worked on immigration issues. I was his Northwest Illinois coordinator. So we worked on immigration issues, kind of also being the liaison between the local government and elected officials and nonprofit organizations and entities and the senator. And so that led to me moving on to the Illinois Department of Human Services under the amazing Secretary Grace Ho and her leadership and just delving deeper into all the amazing work and social services and safety net services that the state and the Illinois Department of Human Services provides. And there was an opportunity for me to interview for the Alliance, the Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs position. And so I saw an opportunity to be a partner from the outside in and kind of continue that work and thread the needle. That's always what I've kind of tried to do in all my career paths. And so here I am just looking forward to to doing more work in human service and just focusing on, on youth from that perspective. Excellent. It sounds like you've had just some incredible mentors throughout this path you've taken. And I don't want to kind of gloss over this. I mean, you have a doctorate of law and you worked for Senator Durbin. And and to me, it sounds like you should be in very high demand. So so why did you want to come to Central Illinois, Springfield? when I feel like you could go anywhere. (laughs) Well, it's a funny thing called love. I I fell in love with a boy and, you know, we we started a relationship in Springfield, Illinois. We met in the governor's office as fellows when we were 25 years old and the rest is history. So, just well, stayed. I am thankful. I am <laughs> thankful we have you. I <laughs> Thank you. This is you are an inspiration truly. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. So, talk to me about the Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. What does this organization do? I know a lot of people are familiar with our local Boys and Girls Club, but what kind of work are you doing with that organization? 
The Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs is kind of like the association for all the boys and girls clubs throughout the state. So just to give you a better picture, we represent about 26 club locations throughout the state. Now, we say 26 plus clubs because some sites or some clubs locations have multiple sites throughout the state. So for instance, Tiffany Mathis and the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Illinois. Shout out to Tiffany. She's done such an amazing job, <laughs> by great. the way. She's <laughs> awesome. That particular location or site has 22 individual locations throughout Central Illinois. So that brings it to about 112 individual Boys and Girls Clubs across the state of Illinois. And that's kind of the job of the Alliance to be sort of the diplomat between the national organization, the individual clubs spread out throughout the state, and the government and state agencies and partners. And so that's kind of the role that I've taken on. That's what I think of my position is trying to be very customer service focused and to provide the best resources so that all the clubs throughout Illinois can flourish and and move in one direction with one voice. So, And I think we see that immediate effect of what the Boys and Girls Club does for our community. But, you know, with your experience with, with human services, human rights policy, I imagine that you get a look at the bigger picture and the long-term effects of what these clubs do for these kids and molding them as citizens. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you are absolutely correct. And that is also, again, you know, in the beginning of this interview, why I said this is why I took on this role because of my perspective. And so just to give an example of the impact of the COVID pandemic, you know, we all know that, you know, economically disadvantaged communities were most impacted. Well, this is where, you know, the Illinois clubs in particular rose to the occasion when all the schools were closed and the traditional in-person school day and access to safe places, meals and more weren't available. Well, that's what the Boys and Girls Clubs provided. You know, at the Boys and Girls Clubs, we have learning centers that provide services for over 200,000 youth. They received internet access and technology to support their virtual schoolwork. A lot of things that people might remember from the pandemic is work, you know, access to childcare so that we that the Boys and Girls Clubs, we focused on ensuring that working parents could continue to work. The clubs hosted vaccines. Our youth even pitched in as well, assembling community care packages, writing letters to frontline workers, and sharing community efforts to recover and look beyond the pandemic to better days ahead. And so that's quite a lot and a yeah, lot more. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was reading on the website and there was a statistic that really, I think, is eye-opening. And it said 57% of alumni surveyed nationally feel that their club saved their life. And it's, it's interesting to hear that when you look at what the Boys and Girls mm-hmm. Clubs do, like providing meals, providing a safe place, providing friendship, mm-hmm. community. And it's, it's things that we take for granted, but that can really save a life and not just a life, 57% of alumni. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Having that awareness of the impact of what we do as an organization, national and even statewide, all the amazing people that run the individual clubs throughout the state, it's a very humbling realization about how valuable the services that we provide are to ensuring that our youth have access to a 
great future. So, you know, part of the core areas of our programming, we focused on trauma-informed programming for our youth, ensuring that they have academic success, access to academic success and programming, because we know that that's what guarantees them the bright future and ability to live the American dream. Fostering good character and citizenship, Mm -hmm. um, promoting healthy lifestyles. So our approach is more of a a holistic approach to the whole child, not just one-dimensional. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Oisi Bustos. She's the chief executive officer and executive director at Illinois Alliance of Boys and Girls Clubs. I've got one kind of big picture question for you, just because I feel like I can't waste this opportunity to talk to someone with all this global experience. What is something that maybe you've noticed as a, as a perspective that maybe we locally can consider uh, when we think about people in the world, when we think about helping others? Sometimes we're in our little bubbles and we kind of forget that there's a whole nother big world going on outside of our own little community. Is there any perspective that you could share on that? Absolutely. And thank you for that. So I have quite a few. And I think two of the biggest ones are first and foremost, it's like we're all human, right? And I know it sounds so cliche, but it is really to the core. Like when I think of, you know, my interactions in Belgium or my interactions in Cuba or my interactions in the United States, or it could be in Rock Island, Illinois or New York. At the end of the day, good people are good people are good people. Like, you know, the love that you have for your family is no different than the love that I have for my family in Ghana. It's no different than the relationships that I had in Belgium. You know, and I will share this personal story. Her name is Aurélie, and she was one of my very best friends in Belgium, one of the very first relationships, and our families became quite bonded. We will, you know, my sisters and I, we go on holidays in the country with her family. She unfortunately passed from cancer a few years ago. But I just remember Aurélie on the playground in 97 in Belgium when people were not being very kind because I was of a different ethnicity or race. She didn't know me. We didn't know we were neighbors. She just came to grab my hand and we went to play hopscotch, just she and I. And then, you know, when I came home, my dad was like, let's go say hi to our neighbors, les voisins. And it's like, here's Aurélie. And we were like inseparable ever since. I still, you know, sometimes send emails to her parents, extend an invitation to my wedding. So it's like once you you just look at human beings to the core for what they are, you realize that we're all really not that different. And, you know, the experience in life is just about that connection. And then the second thing is, yes, we are all the same and we're really all not that different, but also in the U.S., There are so many identities, so many unique experiences. And for me as a Ghanaian American, that is my identity. And so we all don't fit in a cookie cutter box. And so just being able to be respectful and understand that just because this is the U.S.'s way or the view or the perspective, that doesn't necessarily mean that that applies to someone in Ghana or an immigrant who's coming from a different country. Like we all have had different experiences and that is what makes the American experience what it is. The fact that we can all contribute our different viewpoints, our different perspectives, our insights, our culture, folklore, stories, you know, 
idiomatic expressions. I know I have I have a handful that I still throw in every once in a while to my husband and my son. And so, yeah, those are all the things that make America what it is. So that is a beautiful story, a beautiful message. I'm so glad I asked that question because oh. I knew you'd have a great answer. Oisi Bustos, it has been so wonderful to sit down and talk with you today. Before we let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to share today that I didn't ask you about or, or any other final message you'd like to leave us with? You know, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot. So one, I just want to say thank you to NPR and to you. I mean, this has been a lovely experience. Thank you for caring enough to even invite me to speak on that. And then just really want to emphasize that, you know, now more than ever, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Illinois and the Boys and Girls Clubs of America need your support. Our youth need your support. There's a lot of things that are happening nationally that have an impact and places like the Boys and Girls Clubs ensure that all youth, especially youth that need us the most, have a chance at great futures. And I think that is something that at the end of the day enables me to sleep well at night. And I hope that the community will continue to to provide more supports for the clubs throughout the state that are providing these vital services that ultimately benefit them. So it comes full circle. It's a give and take. You are listening to Community Voices on NPR Illinois 919 UIS. Keep listening for more interviews.